Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Trans Questioning Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah, and today we have a bit of a weird one. I gave a little bit of a talk at a college class a few months ago. Uh, this is not the first time that I've done this. Uh, the same professor actually invited me to talk a little over a year ago at a different class, and I also archived that, and that's on my YouTube channel. It's about a very different subject. As you've probably gathered from the title, this is an episode about uh, how being transgender and the existence of transgender people undermines capitalism and Western society as a whole. So that's a good, fun topic. I will say really quick about the audio of this episode that it's a bit spotty because I recorded it with my little field recorder. And I maybe didn't put it in the best position. I don't remember exactly where in the room I put it, but I don't think it was directly in front of me, which is what would have made sense. I've leveled it and EQ'd it and everything, and it sounds okay. It sounds fine. Uh, but there's a lot of ambient sort of room noises. This is a college class that's a lot of undergrads who are sort of settling into their chairs, especially at the beginning. So there's a lot of like clicks and clacks and weird kind of disruptive noises and uh, th there's a lot of like class participation of people chiming in and sometimes that's not as audible as I wish it could be and I've tried to make as much of it audible as possible but sometimes just like the room tone was too much and you just couldn't so I, I cut out bits and pieces where I could and tried to make it as easy on the ears as possible. Anyway this is a bit of a long episode so I'm going to go ahead and get out of your way right the heck now. Okay, so obviously we have a guest today, so this is Sarah Zedig. Do you say, pronounce it Zedig? Zedig, yeah. Zedig. That's my, that's my nom de plume. Yes, yes. Um, <clears throat> I guess my I've never... internet handle. Well, Sarah, I graduated this past December uh, as a film media studies major, so that's sort of my direction. I'm probably the only film and media studies student uh, that you'll ever meet who somehow managed to trick her way into, like, making money doing it, like <laughs> actually studying media just because I got lucky on YouTube. Uh, so Eric tells me that y'all were supposed to have watched my one of my videos. Now you can be honest with me and say you didn't. I don't I what um, I, I thought you'd give us a quiz or something. I thought I was like getting Oh yeah. <laughs> How many traumas do I list? <laughs> Um, <laughs> but uh, it's it's okay. Um, I, I I remember undergrad. I never did any of the work that I was supposed to. I just bullshitted my way through everything. So if you didn't watch Should it, I step out of the room for a second. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it's a long video and it's hard. Uh, it's hard to make. But um, I guess I'll start. Uh, how many of y'all know a trans person or have like a trans friend or family? Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> okay. Hmm. When was the first time you really understood that trans people could exist? You can just jump in if you like. The first time I remember like thinking about it is with like like when Caitlyn Jenner came out. But that like I, that wasn't like a big new like I knew that already. Mm -hmm. I don't know like but I don't know like that's the first time I remember like 
being a reflection of it. But I think that like it was, I don't know, like I don't remember there being like a moment though. That's just first. Yeah, so yeah, sometimes someone mentioned it. I was like, oh, that's a thing. I like, that's cool. It's really fun. Uh, medical science really, uh, I think <clears throat> science in general, we tend to think of it as deeply objective, but it is subjective to uh, the people who have the money and decide what gets invested in research-wise. And medical science around trans people is severely lacking. I've been on uh, hormone replacement therapy for eight months now. And what's really fun is that there aren't very many long-term studies of the like effects of HRT on someone who is assigned male at birth. So it is this thing of like just taking my my life into my, my health into my own hands, hopefully. And I mean, like, I don't have insurance, so who knows? I don't know. But uh uh and I'm on like the most basic stuff and there's all kinds of different like estrogens and androgen blockers and um, one of the medications is uh, uh, progesterone which is a supplement that certain people use that uh, has various benefits won't go into but uh, uh, no scientifically nobody can agree as to whether or not it has any effect whatsoever so it's all just um, hearsay from other trans people and no one's like it's just it's fun in that regard to sort of not knowing. Um, some trans women have periods in the sense that they deal with um, uh, cramps and like it's on a monthly cycle. And th there's been no study into that as a phenomenon, near as I can tell. Uh, the only reason why there's any sort of consensus that that's a relatively consistent thing is that uh, a few years ago somebody wrote an article about it and a bunch of people didn't believe that that was true. Like, oh, you're just making it up. And so they had to like anecdotally talk to a bunch of trans people and it like, emerged as a pattern that a lot of trans women deal with uh, uh, a, a menstrual cycle of their own. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever, like biologically, but that's the thing is that there hasn't been any research done into it. So you just have to accept like, yeah, okay, that's fine. So this, this kind of gets into what I, I guess I wanted to talk about is the ways that um, I think the culture at large is coming around to on, on trans people, but it's not enough to just sort of say, uh, I support trans people. Like it's, 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 it's good if you're, if you're a cisgender person and you have a friend who comes out as trans and you say like, I support you. But there is a potential danger in just a, like accepting them at face value and saying, like, you can do whatever you want. Like, I don't get it, but you can do whatever you please. Because ultimately, you're still assuming that your worldview has not been compromised or forced. Like, you're, nothing about you is, is, is being asked to change. And I'm very much of the, of the opinion that the existence of trans people... Uh, and non-binary people especially, kind of undermines the entire foundation of Western civilization. And I, I think it's important that the existence of trans people is not... It, 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 we've always existed. 
We will always exist. It's not like this is a new thing. Uh, uh, there is the, um, in, in Germany in the 1920s and 30s, there was the uh, Sexology Institute, which, uh, among many other things, researched trans people in the, the 20s and 30s and was uh, uh, administered the first hormone placement therapy. And the, uh, uh, the Nazis actually burned that institute down, the famous picture of like this pile of burning books. That was all research that was done on trans people uh, in, in Germany before, before the rise of the Nazis. And that's like a huge part of our history that's just decimated. Uh, and so historically, we're sort of erased, which is true of any important women or people of color generally, um, uh, uh, straight, white, heterosexual, traditional European males like to dominate themselves in history, sort of retroactively retcon themselves into, into positions of all power. I don't know, I'm an SJW, so that's sort of my whole thing, I guess. Um, uh, uh, Postmodern neo-Marxist. Sorry, I'm terminally online, so I'm always engaging with these idiotic right-wing people, and I've ironically incorporated all of their language. Does everybody know the term SJW? I know it's funny for you to refer to yourself as that. Yeah. <laughs> Social justice warrior. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like a it's like an eye rolly thing. Yeah, liberal snowflake. Yeah, liberal snowflake, that sort of thing. But it's still a great term. It's just when you hear it, it's never good. Well, yeah. A couple of years ago, I complimented someone using the term sincerely, and I received such an insult. The reaction was insult, and I was I was so. Yeah, I'm so sorry. The yeah, our our culture generally thinks that caring about things is like passe, like. Oh, you give a shit? Come on, get out of here. You gotta be objective, be rational, which, which means excluding your emotions and like why anything matters to you. But, I don't know, I, um, I have a whole thing written out here and like, look at this nonsense, I can't read this. Uh, basically, Anytime there's a group of people that is like systemically targeted by culture at large, the question you need to ask yourself is like, why are they a threat? And like, what makes them dangerous that the powers that be uh, want to destroy them? And I'm gonna, my feeling is, I, I, I relate this back to like 10 years ago when the big conversation was um, uh, gay marriage here in the States. And I explicitly remember so many conversations about like, was, well, are we really ready for gay marriage? I don't know. Or like repealing don't ask, don't tell in the military. And I think what what's threatening about a lot of minorities in a general sense is that we have a cultural narrative of uh, who power belongs to naturally, who deserves power, and the people who have it have this sort of unquestioning investment in it because that's the definition of privilege is feeling that 
entitled to the things you were born with and not really having any conception that you uh, uh, didn't necessarily earn them, which doesn't necessarily make you like a bad person or anything. Sorry. Hello. Um, we'll pull up a chair. Uh, one over there. Um, sorry. So. There's a lot of different directions I could go here. This is why I have a script. That's why I do YouTube, because I can edit myself. Uh, having a rare day when everybody's here, sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's good. Uh, I like an audience. So my feeling is um, when, when um, uh, gay people won the right to vote, there's, there's an interesting thing that's going on now where there's this like minor uh, movement called uh, uh, Drop the T from LGBT, so lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender. Uh, there are queer people who want to uh, uh, drop transgender people from like the acronym. It's it's weird. It's I don't know. I and it's not a my it's not a majority thing, but it's something that I keep seeing come up over the last year or so. And I think this is what's interesting about populations that are persecuted and then eventually reach some level of like cultural saturation and acceptance where whatever it was that set them apart, it's reincorporated into like the wider culture. And now they have some level of privilege and they're sort of embraced. And there is a sense of solidarity that you have as like a queer person where, you know, I, I, I give a shit about non-binary people and other gay people and especially intersections with people of color. Um, and there's a thing that happens though when you have won acceptance, you feel like, well, I've won my battles, but then you who are coming after me with your, like, this is, this is not like, what kind of, it, you, there, there are people who have a hard time like conceptualizing uh, the struggles of the people who come after them, where you feel like I have won this battle and I have won all battles to come. And then you people are like, you're just complaining. And it's the same thing that repeats itself over and over. But so the, the problem with, hmm, where am I going with this? What am I even saying? Uh, <laughs> well, you were talking about the drop the yeah. team. Yeah, so the, 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 uh, I guess I'm just going to go ahead and reveal my, cup, my colors here and say that I think capitalism is bad. Uh, basically, the point that I want to make is that um, when ultimately I think every, like, the existence of every minority group whenever they're coming up against like, the wider culture they're threatening a hegemony. They're threatening like a sort of overarching narrative. So relating to myself, like as a trans person, there is the idea of the gender binary, which is sort of 
you're born male or female, and uh, that's just how it is. And we have this bogus idea that this is tied to biology. Uh, I... Trans people, just by virtue of like, I was, I was, I was assigned male at birth. I've transitioned. I identify as female now. Uh, just transitioning from one to the other sort of threatens the uh, uh, the binary conceptually, and then non-binary people further undermine the uh, the binary as like a cultural narrative. And when you think about the importance of the gender binary in like culture at large. Um, it is everywhere. It is uh, there. There are products that are marketed just to men, just to women. There are ideas of who a man is and who a woman is. Uh, uh, the, the gender binary fundamentally limits how one feels they are allowed to express themselves in culture. Uh, if someone who is assigned male at birth who identifies as male wears a dress in in public. Uh, they're going to get weird looks. They might get called bad names. In the, in the wrong place, they might be attacked. Uh, and that's sort of the kind of thing that trans people have to deal with a lot. Um, so the question again is, like, why? What is, what is the threat? Why do people care? And I feel like it comes down to this investment in in power, because the binary is a way of controlling people by, I, and I think it also, there is like a, an incompatibility between men and women is like we've, we've culturally uh, uh, conceived of them where there's, especially here in the South, there is this like, uh, uh, man marries a woman and like, the, the woman has her girlfriends and the guy has his guy friends and never the twain shall meet. And there's like this rivalry that's, that's there. Uh, and this is not true of all people and this is of course changing, but it still feels like it's everywhere. And it always seems to me that it comes down to this like fictional rivalry, this like imposed competition, which is ultimately a distraction. And I think the real threat of trans people is that our existence points to the fact that the, the binary is not a fundamental fact of human existence. It isn't a, it, it's a fiction. Uh, in some senses, it can be an, a useful fiction, but it is like every concept that we have, it is invented as a way to understand the world around us, but it is not an intrinsic fact. And when we pull back, we see these sorts of things as like kind of pointless and it doesn't necessarily matter if it changes. Like, who cares about the binary? What is that like ultimately if you if you get rid of that that limitation, people are allowed to be whoever they want to be in in, in, in the realm of gender expression. But it's a means of control and limitation uh, hmm oh, I'm curious I don't know. Go ahead. Well, I'm curious about the 
so I may or may not be asking the question personally or just societally in a bigger picture, but what, what do you see as the obstacles that the dominant forces in the culture put forward specifically for trans people or um, like what, I guess just what are the obstacles for transitioning? Oh yeah, the, well, I mean the obstacles for transitioning uh, in a lot of places uh, here I had to get a, a recommendation from a doctor that I am uh, uh, or a recommendation from a psychologist that I am mentally fit and that uh, HRT is a uh, uh, a good fit for me. And I was lucky as a student that I was already seeing a, uh, a psychologist here and he was more than willing to write that up for me. So that was not the barrier that it is for a lot of folks. But a lot of folks are not in college and don't have cheap like access to psychologists and psychologists do not come cheap. And a lot of times psychologists, whether they recommend uh, HRT is very much uh, uh, subjective to them. So they're, they're psychologists who are uh, skeptical of the existence of trans people and want to uh, 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 want to make 100% sure because they're worried that like if you're going to get HRT or um, sex reassignment surgery uh, that you're not like a crazy person. And that's sort of what it always comes back to is like, are you sure you're just not like a fetishist? Which it's, you know, this is a classic way of uh, uh, dismissing the problems of LGBT people as oh, thank you. Um, basically equating it to fetish, fetishism is like, you're just, you just get off on wearing women's clothes and putting on makeup and it's just it's just an arbitrary limitation. Um, it comes with a cost. It comes, yeah, absolutely. Cost. And even if that was the case, what does it matter? Ex know? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. What does it matter? And again, is, it comes. Is that bad? <laughs> right. Is that, it's is, not fair to reduce that to a person, but still. Well, yeah. Well, that's 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 the thing. Is again the question. I mean, if someone is, said yes, is are they not going to get? <laughs> yeah, like HRT or. <laughs> I mean, I, uh, I know people who have had to wait uh, years to get even just hormone replacement therapy because, uh, depending on where you are, it requires like a, a, waiting, a waiting period of like, some, some doctors require that you are out and presenting as your chosen gender in public for a full year before they recommend hormone replacement therapy, which is a little bit backwards because... Hormone replacement therapy greatly affects your ability to live as uh, uh, the, the gender that you wish to present as. I know, like, besides, like, physical uh, uh, effects of it, it also affects you psychologically, deeply psychologically. And that, like, it's changed my life in, in, a, in a big way. And... I wouldn't have the confidence to have like worn the makeup that I'm wearing now when coming here. And even still, I was like nervous the whole way. I had to wear my, my, my big sunglasses on the bus because I just didn't want to deal with any weird looks. And uh, 
I don't know, there's always this question of like, what are people seeing when they see me? Am I ridiculous? Am I, I don't know. Um, but again, it comes back to this question of like, go ahead. Whoop. Oh, no, no. And I was, I was just going to state the obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, maybe everybody is self-conscious about their appearance, but mm-hmm. not with the same stakes. Right. It's like everybody is self-conscious about their appearance uh, to some extent. But for me, it's like, am I going, this happens to me all of the time. Am I going to go to a store and somebody say like, well, hello, sir, how are you? This is the most uh, uh, like banal thing in the world. But to me, it's just another reminder that uh, by virtue of a series of unfortunate accidents uh, and like an arbitrary cultural expectation, uh, I'm just going to continue to be misgendered all the time until some until I pass some sort of magical threshold. Uh, and my ability to pass that threshold is based on money. It's based on, like, can I afford laser hair removal? Can I afford uh, a facial feminization surgery uh, and HRT and any number of other things? And uh, I think... Uh, like when Caitlyn Jenner came out uh, and, and there's also Laverne Cox and a handful of other very famous trans people. It's like there are, there's those women who, have, who are wealthy, wealthy enough to afford a, a very expensive plastic surgery and like coaches to help them feminize their voice, which is something that takes a lot of work. Um, on the other end, you have like RuPaul and like drag queens in general. And like RuPaul is is a, he de- identifies as a cis man, but like drag queens in general is like the uh, uh, the other extreme of you know feminine expression in uh, uh, assigned male and birth people, which neither of those fit me because I can't I can't afford plastic surgery and I'm not interested in like going wild with this like hyper exaggerated feminine expression and culture the wider culture like polices these appearances where it, it, it uh, if you're not one or the other your identity is is illegitimate um, and there are people there are trans people who say if you don't suffer crippling debilitating dysphoria then you're not trans. Like a person who just feels uncomfortable but doesn't like want to kill themselves doesn't count as trans because, you know, suffering is intrinsic to it, which is an incredibly limiting perspective. And this is based on the history of like medical diagnosis of transition where it's always been based on... um, what uh, uh, cisgender people can observe in trans people. They say, like with, like with anything, it always, it, in order to be identified medically, it always seizes on the, uh, uh, the most obvious cases. And then as time goes on, the definition broadens, you get more terms. So this is why generally there, there are like all of these different words for different kinds of sexualities and romantic leanings because as time goes on our, our definitions broaden as we get more accepting I don't know but like 
I don't know. For me, uh, I know there's going to come a day, hopefully soon, where we cross a threshold and it's like trans people are accepted open with open arms in, in, in the broader culture. And it's like, yeah, of course, if you need hormone replacement therapy, this should be covered by insurance. And so too should like, like laser hair removal is something that is absolutely essential for a lot of uh, trans women because, I mean, I've, I've got a lot of shit on my face and it's still pretty obvious that I have like beard shadow and I've had uh, six laser hair removal sessions at this point and it's been very effective, but it's still not quite enough. Like until it's gone, it's not gone. And it takes just a little bit, just a little bit. That's enough. That's all you need for somebody to clock you. And like, uh, that's not covered by insurance anywhere because it's, it's, a, it's an optional thing. It's a, a cosmetic surgery. And it's, you know, that's nonsense. But there's going to come a day when, when, when trans people like gay people uh, are sort of embraced and accepted. And the, the threat of our existence is sort of like undermined by reincorporating the trans narrative into the world as it exists today. And I feel like what, for me, I'm, I'm afraid of that, that time because the, the problem isn't my existence. The problem is that the culture at large, this capitalist system that we live in wants to limit the capacity for human expression and it will when it comes between when the choice is uh, uh, give people various like legal rights or let them continue to rile the populace and eventually say hey maybe everything is unjust and we need to I don't know kill and eat the rich and redistribute wealth uh, you, you, capital will always choose giving people rights because people in power may be like a bunch of conservative, judgmental assholes, but they would rather keep their power and their wealth than have it threatened by uh, a bunch of gay people. And this is sort of like this function of, 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 of capitalism in my mind and why it's important not just to accept trans people, but to incorporate the fact that we exist into your own identity to understand that in a world without the gender binary there would probably be lots of people who don't who wouldn't identify as trans today who would queer their gender expression because ultimately it's not it's not a fact of existence it's just a thing that we invented that isn't necessarily good or bad but it has become a way of limiting how we conceive of ourselves as human beings. And I think that there is a, a, a freedom and a sense of resistance and like empowerment in understanding yourself, no matter how you identify as, as part of this reality of human existence. I don't know. That's my feeling on it. And I'm, I'm good, like, not, like, we can discuss this. I'm... It's whatever. So I we can all jump in with Jump in, please. Jump in. That's basically the point I wanted to argue. I don't know if I hit it very well. Uh, well so, so, 
building of that, I guess I have a question that I'm sort of thinking through on the fly right now, so I might be asking just an obvious question or a question that answers itself. Yeah. But is the, do, do you regard then the sort of, like there was the, in the 2000s, in the 90s into the 2000s, there was a, a sort of long, steady, slow push toward gay marriage mm -hmm. being legalized and recognized. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, boom, it was, mm -hmm. right? There, it, there were some states, but then when it was the Supreme Court that essentially decided, eh, you can't have that objection anymore, and then whoosh, yeah. it becomes legal everywhere. Not, not long ago, I don't remember the date, but in the last seven years or so. Yeah, it's been pretty recent. 2016? I was thinking 2013, but since we were all at least sort of aware of the broader world beyond like home <laughs> or yeah. some bigger school. Um, but in the, in, in the sort of um, formulation that you were just offering, does the acceptance of gay marriage also in some way amount to the capitalist structure that you're identifying? Saying, yeah. oh, come on in, we figured out how to use you. Yes, Seriously. absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Uh, I mean, another good example is that in uh, very early American history, uh, people on the East Coast were racist towards Italians, towards the Irish. Uh, the, 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 there are, even today, there are uh, a lot of terms that have been like watered down, but which were uh, basically hate speech towards uh, uh, Italian and, and Irish immigrants. But there eventually came a point after the Civil War and uh, uh, when, when uh, uh, people of color started to gain rights in, in the states uh, where... Okay. I mean, I just. I know. I'm. I'm sorry. I'm always. This is. That's one of my areas. Yeah, this place, but since it's, you're talking yes. specifically. Yeah. About you're right. You're absolutely right. I. I hesitated on that point exactly for that reason. Where I'm like, which is the right? Yeah. Always eggshells, and I'm. Yes. I would. I would. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, when when black people started to gain gain rights in America, uh, the sort of wire capitalist elite felt threatened by this fact, and so. Irish and Italians, as they do today, became white people. And this allowed them to have a unified identity against black people. And I think any, America, is, in general, as a country, is sort of based on opposition, where it's just a series of enemies that we invent so that we can justify our desire to control everything. And anytime uh, a new enemy comes up, we decide like, oh, the old enemy, you're a part of us now. It's always a process of reincorporating. And yeah, you read some stats to us one day. I don't remember what we were doing. And then you were a little confused because it said white people and it had whatever percentage. And then you're like, wait a minute. This doesn't, it, it was more than 100%. I was like, right. oh, that's because they're doing non-white, Hispanic. And that's right. part of that. Like, that slowly, right. they, um, like, they'll be white people. It, it was the U.S. Census Bureau data uh -huh. of the population. And oh, yeah. If you just expect it to add up to 100%, it gets a little confusing. Yeah, he was like, But obviously there are people who have sort of, uh, at different in different contexts, identify one way or another, mm -hmm. or both, like, 
depending on how they're looking at. So that yeah, I remember I remember yeah. that moment. I was like, wait, wait, wait. That's oh, a great yeah. example of yeah. the yeah. Italians and Irish. Yeah. Um, and I think um, I mean th this is why today there's so much conversation about like immigration and uh, uh, Hispanic people moving into more communities and like watering down white culture and like you know I can't I can't I can't go to the supermarket without passing a taco stand oh the horror uh, so right now there's there uh, 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 there's a lot of like scaremongering about the fact that like young people uh, millennials and Gen Y now is it uh, or Gen Z uh, are the most like anti-capitalist generation in like American history so far or since since the early 1900s anyway and uh, uh, there's a lot of fear about this and there's a big push for socialized medicine and uh, various other socialist goals and my feeling is what's going to happen sooner or later is that we get uh, socialized medicine, uh, like med Medicare for all, and we get a handful of other uh, 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 capitulations, but they are all going to stop just short of the true sort of uh, exceedingly tax the rich, uh, uh, redistribute wealth, sort of like help everybody, because it again comes back to this calculus of uh, we, we want all of the money. Jeff Bezos wants all of the money. And this is a fun fact I like to throw around about uh, the man who invented the idea of a store but online, is if you taxed him 99%, took away 99% of his wealth, he would still have multiple billions of dollars left over. He has more... Jeff Bezos? Jeff Bezos, yes. He has more money than any human being it could ever hope to spend because he came up with, he didn't even come up with it. He, you're lucky enough to be the, be one of the people who was successful making a store, but online. And in my mind, I mean, even having multiple, like hundreds of millions of dollars in one person's hands in my mind is like fundamentally immoral. And the idea that the richest, what is it? 10% of people control 50% of, of the world's wealth. Uh, I don't know, that's kind of fucking disgusting in my mind. So, like, uh, under capitalism, you know, trickle-down in economics, if you know what that is, is absolute nonsense. Capital wants to accrue. It always, like, it always forms a singularity. This is just how it goes if you, do, if you have unregulated capitalism. And this is what, what capital always wants. But if people start... Throw, making throwing a fit about like we need more rights for this group of people. Eventually, uh, that starts becoming a bigger conversation about systemic inequality because it's not just about uh, uh, trans access to healthcare, like trans rights or human rights. It's all tied into this larger conversation. So eventually, it becomes a thing where okay, we've got to cut that question off at the head and say okay, trans people, you get. You get medical rights. Great. Now let's like quash the sort of anti-capitalist leanings and 
make sure that the status quo is maintained. Uh, so that's my, that's sort of my feeling, is that eventually we're going to start getting uh, uh, like Medicare for all and maybe a better like public transportation system. But it's again, it's going to be like, stop just short of actually abolishing capitalism because it's going to be like handouts from the rich. That's like, okay, we'll give you, we'll give you a little bit as long as it gets you to shut up and go back to your place. And that's what it all comes back to, to me. It's like all, all struggle and all like lower class attempts at, 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 at winning back rights will eventually almost win and be reincorporated into the power structures that be already. And we can never forget that that's what's happening. I think about like Disney writing, like funding films like Black Panther. That movie is great and it's really good that it exists, but they're only doing that because it makes money. And it's them capitalizing on the fact that they know that, pe that, that people of color and black people want more representation. And that's good, but it's, it's selective and it's calculated. And you look at like the board of directors for Disney and it's all a bunch of fucking white people. Like, there is, there's, there's a specific calculus there. And it's like, we can never say, great, uh, we have more representation in Hollywood. That's not enough. That's never enough. You can't, anytime you win a victory, you can't just say, great, we did it. It's always on to the next thing. You always, always, always. That's my feeling on it. I don't know. I have no idea what time it is. I don't know what's going on. We have half an hour left. Oh, Jesus. Okay, well, we can talk about whatever. Yeah, go for it. And it just goes to just the root of like asking why. Um, why, why I'm a threat or whatever. But um, so you're talking about HRTs um, and that it's a year before you can start taking them. What happens if you stop taking them? Uh, what happens if you stop taking So it depends. Uh, Will you die? No. Okay. So, <laughs> I mean, I understand there's a you know, medium. Yeah. And maybe, but it's just like um, we are prescribed things that can cause death, especially if we take get off of them too fast or whatever. So I don't understand why you have to wait so long to do something like that where, and I understand, again, there's a middle ground that maybe people don't want to deal with, but yeah. it just seems obsessive in a way to control mm -hmm. um, if someone should get those me that medicine, or a lot of medicine. Well, yeah, no, no, it, yeah, it, it's, um, so it depends, uh, for most people, like, if I were to stop if I were to lose my prescription and not be able to take hormones uh, anymore, I I would be fine medically. Um, but if somebody, if if a trans woman has had a sex reassignment surgery or had an orchiectomy, uh, which is removal of the testicles medically, um, and they can no longer acquire uh, uh, however they take estrogen, that can be uh, uh, dangerous because you need uh, some kind of hormone for mm -hmm. bone health and that can cause serious damage. Um, but even for me, if I were to stop taking uh, HRT, you know, my, my body would hypothetically be fine, 
but uh, that doesn't speak to the emotional and psychological toll. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's the fact that like body hair generally changes when you take HRT, and uh, for me personally, that's a, a major like dysphoric trigger for me. Uh, and and one of the wonderful things about HRT has been the thinning of of body hair has helped me feel a lot better about myself. Um, that that could reverse if I stop taking yeah. HRT. And my question wasn't. It was definitely for the case of getting rid of the weightlift. The yeah. Like being a year long. I understand somewhat just with any major medical procedure that you understand what it is, but just feel like some of that has to do with just controlling. Yeah. No. It, it absolutely is. And like I wasn't this. saying. Like well, you can still be trans without the... Oh, no, 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 I know, I know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, it is all just, like, gatekeeping, and it is the idea that, like, we... And, and how trans people are, like, conceptualized generally and talked about is very much, like, from the perspective of, I'm cisgender and I'm talking about you. Uh, it's like, I'm... I'm I have the ability to give you the, the tools for validating yourself. Like you're only allowed to express yourself within the bounds that I have set up. And uh, I think a lot of that is a lot of doctors don't understand. Like I was lucky that like my endocrinologist, when I got to see her uh, for the first time, uh, she talked to enough trans people that she's, she said to me, you probably already know everything about, you probably know more about HRT than I do, because this is the thing, is that there's not a lot of resources, so trans people have to do a lot of research on their own. And so I was very lucky in my like, experience of getting on HRT. Um, but uh, it's... I don't know, it's demoralizing and it's, it's difficult. Uh, and not everybody, this, it's, the other thing is that it's inconsistent. And you never, did, that's part of why it's so stressful is that you never know. Yes. Some people have like informed consent clinics where the idea is if you go in and you sign a piece of paper that says like, I am aware of the risks and they will give you HRT that day. Yeah. Or after they get results of your blood test back to, to know like what levels will probably be helping. Not like a year week. No, yeah, it would be like a week at best. Um, but some 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 psychologists so like no you have to live publicly out for a full year or whatever and different people have different uh, there have been different guidelines that have been issued at various points in history and some doctors are very old and very stubborn and it just depends on where you live and like some very very liberal parts of the country can have these like backwards doctors who just sort of like nah. And so this is a constant stress of being trans. You have no idea about that. You know, there are times when I go out and I'm like, am I going to be misgendered? Is somebody going to look at me the wrong way and be like, like, hey, you're incorrect. You know, I'm terrified to go into like women's rooms because I don't, I, I don't know how anybody is going to react. This is Oklahoma. I don't know what to expect. So I mostly just stay in my house because it's safer there. <laughs> Uh, I went with a friend of mine to go see Captain Marvel uh, a little while ago, 
And uh, one of my, 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 uh, T my T blocker is spironolactone, which is, uh, this is the other thing is that HRT in general is, is like, what it's used for for us is off label. Uh, uh, we're basically taking um, uh, uh, menopause medication. And so like uh, uh, Spiro is a, a diuretic. And so uh, when you're on, when you're on Spiro, like you have to pee all the goddamn time. And so I go, anytime I go out, it's like this calculation of like, okay, a bathroom is a potential risk. I'm having to balance like, what do I, how do I deal with this? And so I went to go see Captain Marvel, and I, uh, afterwards I'm like, oh, there's a lot of people here. I'm just gonna wait until I get home. And like it was like a full four hours, and I, I just felt like, oh God, oh God, I'm gonna die. But it's like, I have no idea how people are gonna react. Like there was this old guy sitting like, literally outside of the women's room in the, in the Warren, just sort of like sitting there, and I saw him like look at me. And I was like, I was, I was made up. Uh, and I just saw him like staring at me, like narrowing his eyes, and I'm just like, I don't want to deal with this. And there's just a lot of like, you know, Christian-looking families. I just you don't know, you don't know, and that uncertainty is like this constant question. Um, and for me, when I'm when I'm confronted with that, I have to remind myself that this is just. This is, this is one iteration of something that many different groups of people have had to deal with all throughout history. And it would be a mistake of me to assume that there's something special about this, this, uh, uh, this conflict, this uncertainty that I face. And for me, this is like encouragement to be more empathetic and like understand and have solidarity for other groups of people and understand like uh, uh, trans women of color have it so much worse. Like, for as nervous as I am, chances are I will not face violence because of the color of my skin. And it, it's important for me to recognize that even as I have, uh, like, even as, even as I face, like, certain systemic inequality, there is also, like, privilege that I have. And... As a result of that, I have the ability to, to, to be an advocate in a way that other people not, don't, aren't necessarily capable of. And, I don't know, this is... I just think everything comes down to, like, give a shit about people and, like, listen, like, believe them when they say, hey, I'm having a rough time and this happens all the time. Like, I don't know. Um, yeah. Let's see. I also wanted to comment on the video, which, first of all, I thought it was, like, five or ten minutes. <laughs> oh, no, it's okay. I just was four, poor was planning. 49? Yeah, yes. yeah 40, 40 it was just poor planning on my part. Is, <laughs> I, I, should, I, should admit, I think I'm, I'm sure I said that at some point, but I should have put that in the, I know. not just watch the video, but budget yeah. an hour well, to watch yeah. the video. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it was fine. But I was just like, oh, that's what I get. But... <laughs> When you were talking about your old name, and I'm sure you said it, I don't remember anymore, but... I don't believe I said it. Okay, well, just when you said, you know, I'm, who am I right now during a transition period, it's like, who am I? Well, not who am I, what is my name? Mm -hmm. and I was like, it's whatever you want it to be, you don't have to be gendered, and I was like, 
Oh yeah, but really though, like how long is that? It really kind of. Yeah. It's like be free, and then I was like, oh, that's not that easy. Yeah. <laughs> like, Definitely like the thought process. Cause like I don't ask my like, I, I kind of follow like, like if you want to talk to me about like whatever you're going through, like go ahead. But like I'm not gonna ask questions. Like I'm never gonna assume anything about like you. Just like yeah. tell like, like you know. Um, but kind of that like the entire idea. Like one of my friends, um, he, he's been on tea for a little bit over a year now. But he's really a really bad trimmer. So he's been going through all these different medications like to try to fix his trimmer and like some really bad side effects. And he doesn't like he's so afraid he's gonna like have to get off tea and like. I like I I under like, I understood as a fact that that was something that would like be really bad for him, but like that video was like that would be like that would be awful for him. Like that would like that that could like com literally completely wreck him. And like I don't know, like the video just like really reiterated that. And it like I don't know. Like I feel like I feel like it's like as you know like it's, it's like it's so easy to just be like okay like that is a struggle that you face. Like I respect that, but I don't understand it, and that's fine. But like it's I don't. I don't know, I don't really make a point there, but like, I think that listening, like... Just how much deeper it is. Yeah, how much deeper it really, really is. Even though I was like, that is something that's a struggle. It's so much deeper than I've ever realized. Yes, yeah. and not even being ignorant to trans is just like, oh shit, how long is that? And what yeah. is that like? And yeah, do you want to call yourself something else during that period? And then what, you know, yeah. Sarah and... I don't know, it just, that just really, I was like, <gasps> I mean, to me, I had lots of misconceptions, first of all, but it's like, because, yeah, like, referring back to your first question, when did you start knowing about this pretty old? <laughs> For me, I would say, like, I mean, this is the undiscussable trip. I'm from Egypt, okay. so it's like, uh, something that you do not discuss whenever you ask about those stuff, it's like, you know, you do not discuss them. So I would say 18, when I was 18, now I'm 20, so two years ago. Okay. But I was a little bit also like, I don't know what to do, how to be respectful as much as I can during this period, especially that back home, as I like previously discussed, that it's like, if you want to be a transgender, it's something that's acceptable, but you need to have this stamped mm -hmm. something statement from that religious institution. and. I was like, okay, now I don't know how to feel about that because it's like it's like kind of forcing you to be like now you choose. Mm -hmm. It's either you're gonna be this or that, but there is no way back because yeah. there is no way back. Right. But like seeing it as something that's like it's not a woman trapped or a man trapped in somebody else's body was also something new to me, and I was just like, I didn't know. Like at a certain moment in the video, I remember I was discussing it was my third year with Yusuf, and I was like, okay, now I don't know even like which right terms to use, and I called him and I was like, okay, what should I say right now? <laughs> and I just don't know, like, maybe you can, tell, like, during this period, what's the thing that you would have preferred? Uh, I would say the, the best thing to do is to ask. Oh. And I think... There are there are there are trans people who are sick of like misconceptions and get tired of being asked questions all the time. But I am someone who I would rather you be honest about your your misconceptions uh, and like ask honestly than sort of later on and like try to paper over that. I feel like most trans people generally would rather have that honest conversation. Um, because it's different for everybody. No one has the exact same like transitioning experience. Everybody 
goes through it in their own different way. And everybody comes to realizing that they might be transgender differently. And everybody has to deal with that in their own way and how they choose to address themselves and how they would prefer other people to address them is different for everybody. And that's confusing for all parties involved. So it's best to just accept that and be honest and ask questions. Uh, now there is a there is a fine line because eventually you can get into like, you know, don't ask about genitals. Don't ask about like uh, uh, your surgery or stuff. Try not to get like too personal necessarily, yeah. but because that gets because there there's a lot, I I did get a question uh, fairly early on. It's like, so are you going to get the surgery? And for me, it's like I have no fucking clue. I'm not even. This is before I even and figured why? out my name. Yeah, like why do you care? Do you ask anyone else right. about their genitals? Right. Yeah. 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 No. They kind of like they in school drama they're like they're really trying to like encourage like encourage how to talk to people um another thing that like uh like kind of like whenever you introduce yourself like introduce yourself with your pronouns so that gives someone a chance to tell you their pronouns mm-hmm. um and i was i was telling my like my sister she's three years younger than me and our family's pretty liberal but uh but i was i mentioned how like yeah like at school like um, when I introduced myself, I tried to mention my pronouns. She's like, why do you talk about yourself in the third person? I'm like, no, just like, <laughs> like, that's not what I mean. And, like, I had to explain it to her. And, like, and also I think that, but, like, explaining it to her, now she's like, oh, like, maybe that's something I can do. And, like, and my mom, like, like my mom meets one of my trans friends, like, I overuse their pronouns so that she knows, like, oh, like, yeah, yeah. that's a pronoun. And, like, and kind of, like, things like that. And that's, like, I'm there's, like, I think it's, like, the, like, my, my trans friends just like, that's the best way that you can be an ally for us. Like, that... <laughs> Like, like, pronouns are such a big deal. Absolutely. And that's, like, that's the biggest thing that you can do for us to, like, to, like, to stop us from being this gender. It's, like, to, to help us with our body dysphoria. Yeah. Because there's only so much you can do as, as a friend. Yeah. Yeah. That, that for sure, uh, the person who is now my girlfriend, uh, one of the things, and she's trans also, she, uh, uh, when we first started talking, she was overzealous in calling me Sarah. And... I asked her about this at one point, and she said, like, well, you know, I remember when I first uh, changed my name and people kept using my old name, and I'd be sort of, yeah, I don't know. I realized eventually that uh, I just needed to hear that name more often to feel like it belonged to me. And that was huge for me, is just her constantly reiterating, like, hello, Sarah, how are you today, Sarah? Saying it over and over and over again, just hearing that in reference to me was a huge help. And it's the same with pronouns. And um, uh, yeah, there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of little things like that. that it, 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 yeah. <laughs> so when you, at the beginning, talked about, well, did someone else have a question? I'm sitting on three, but I'm in no rush. I've got, I've got Sarah for another whole class <laughs> after this. When you were talking about um, what is it to be feared? I don't know if I exactly wrote down what. Oh yeah, why? Like why are trans or any mm-hmm. marginalized people? But in this case, trans people, mm-hmm. why are they a threat? And I feel like that's something good for people to explore. To um, 
realize, oh, because I was taught to, <laughs> yeah, know, to fear or whatever, right. or hate, you know, hate, mm -hmm. hate. But yeah, I just feel like that's that was an important question to propose, but for people to, again, consider when they are. Yeah. Maybe faced with like, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, oh, or whatever. And again, with any, I don't know, I just thought that was important. No. Yeah, I, I obviously I agree. Uh, I um, I'm always wary of like. There will always be more marginalized people. There will always be more marginalized identities. There's it never, it never stops. It certainly hasn't stopped so far, and I'm always wary of like who comes after me. What is, uh. uh there, there, there's a thing that's happened now that's like, I am a plurality. There's, a, there's been a number of people who say like, I'm a they. Like there, are, there are multiple me's in my mind. And like, you know, I don't necessarily understand that, but I also know that there's a lot of people who don't necessarily understand me. And I, there's like a, a, a knee-jerk reaction of like, well, that's silly. But what's silly? It, you know, it, it who is it hurting? Mm -hmm. And again, that's me like, well, you can be however you choose, but it, you know, whatever. And so I have to reckon with myself, like, okay, if I believe what they're saying, what does that say about identity? And I'm always trying to ask questions like that. Like, what are, what are you really saying? And if I choose to believe you, which I have to, uh, what does that imply about the world we live in? And, you know, the, the there, there, there are older gay people in the LGBT community who are uh, judgmental of younger gay people because they feel like they didn't really go through it. Now your struggles are, you know, not non-existent. Like you haven't. You're really, young gay. Right, right. Like you, you, you don't, you don't know what what struggle is. And like to an extent, there's there's an element of truth to that in the sense that you know the AIDS crisis was. A, was a plague, was, was, was absolute disaster. But you can't blame people for not having been alive at that point and like not having experienced that. And like the struggles that young gay people face today are still legitimate. And it's like pain is relative. Just because, just because you're not like, it's the, the, the awfully racist like, well, there are starving kids in Africa argument, which is like, well, yeah, but I'm still like miserable. I don't know. What, I don't. And I, I again, it's always a balancing act. Like you don't you don't want to say like you know oh I I chipped a nail today and my life is the worst. I like literally there's nothing worse in the world than that. But uh, I, I don't know. I I try not to essentialize like my life to say like this is the struggle that I've been through. Therefore, I understand everybody's struggle mm -hmm. and like it's you know i don't get to decide who is legitimate and whose like struggles are legitimate i do think it's a great way to look at it though like any of us most of us i'm just kidding but no, no, if I've we been, say I've you know well i've gone through this struggle blah 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 it should at least open your eyes to someone else's struggle whatever it is even if you don't have any experience with it. I just feel like it's almost senseless to be have so much discrimination when 
there's so much struggle. I mean, I know. Yeah. Maybe you grew up poor, I don't know, but you know. Yeah, I, I don't know if you landed on this intentionally, probably a little bit, maybe, but, or maybe completely. But that that recognition that others struggle mm -hmm. is 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 in a big way just the the essential component for changing the world, yeah, yeah. or at least nudging the world yes. toward <laughs> more justice and yes. equity. It's it's mm -hmm. if you aren't incorporating that, there was I'm, I'm thinking at this moment of. Um, do you know Melissa May, the poet? Yes. Yeah. Uh, performance poet who mm -hmm. lives in Norway, yeah. uh, who posted something this morning that sort of rang this bell for me and reminded me. Like, and all she said in her Facebook post was, if you knew my story, you'd see me as a hero. Um, and I, you know, I won't even go into whatever Melissa May's struggles may be. It, what that did for me in that moment was to remind me that like, I never get to see all of anybody else's struggles. Absolutely. I only get to see my struggles close up, right? And so even the people I live with closely, like I see some more of their struggles than most. But that reminder that like everybody, which is not to say that there aren't people out there who do bad things, right? Or cap who are capable of doing right. bad things. I'm not necessarily saying let's always assume everybody is constantly a hero. But there's a there's that unit that that acknowledgement of like there are struggles beyond my vision. Always. I think it's just like the like like the teaching of empathy and the learning how to yeah. be empathetic. And I was talking with a friend yesterday about mental health issues, um, and I I said something kind of like I feel like you don't understand it until you go through you watch and you love go through it. You know, like you can read about it, whatever, but like until you watch like I mean, how like mental health or like any like literally anything can like actually like be crippling or you know how like racism actually affects people or how homophobia and transphobia affects people. Like you, I just don't know if you get it, and, but you have to. I think, and like, I'm, I'm a solution person. Like, when we talk about this, like, how do we solve it? Like, and I think the solution to, like, it's just teaching empathy and, like, and being empathetic. And then if you're not an empathetic person, then you're not going to, like, I mean, you look at You're not going to understand. Yeah, and you know, I don't think you need to even, I don't know if I, like, you need to understand the struggle. You just have to respect the fact that, like, that's no, not just understand people. Yeah, understand people, yeah. Yeah, believe, believe what yeah. people tell yeah. you. Yeah, and I believe that it's true. It's important with this talking about struggle and us any of us having our own struggle is that can also be honored and it's just because like you said like there's starving kids in Africa it, it's important to also acknowledge your own struggle and mm -hmm. can honor that and acknowledge the struggles of others so it doesn't have to be well someone has it worse than I do so my stuff doesn't matter it very much does and I feel like anytime something like these conversations happen there's someone that can grasp onto, well, do mine not matter? And Dr. Bossy, no, they don't. No, I'm just <laughs> It's just easy, easy, because you're a professor. No, but it's just, you know, like, it's important that we do, we can still honor our own and take care of ourselves, too. Um, and I do feel like people are afraid of, like you were talking about, dismantling capitalism and just binary mm -hmm. and all of that, which is a good, I like that time. Um, I feel like um, if there's equality, people are afraid to see who they are on their own <laughs> um, and what power they won't have yeah. on, their, on their own spirit. If, if they don't have that identity of white person, white male, white yeah. cis. You know. So much of our cultural identity is, like I said, based on opposition. Mm -hmm. we, we conceptualize ourselves based on who we aren't. And uh, uh, 
taking that away fundamentally is like, well, I've never, what, what, what do I have? Who am I without the other? Mm-hmm. It's like, you break. Yeah. yeah, like, like po- positive space is defined by the negative space. Is that related to the point you opened with? Because I've, I've been sort of planning now for an hour to, to bring us full circle if we don't go there already. And I think we just came there. Because you said something very early on about how, um, I, I can't quote you, but I, basically the transgender exists and therefore undermines Western, all of Western yeah. civilization. Yeah. Yeah. I've been waiting for the yeah, yeah, sort of like, how so, like in what way? And is it because of the, it disrupts the power? It's it because one of, one, of, one of the foundational facts of Western civilization is a gender binary. And by undermining that, you undermine the entire, the whole pyramid. Without sexism. Yeah. Is it, is it, so is it, but is it about that? I guess my question is really specifically like, is that disruption about just inherently about power? Always about power? Are all disruptions about power? I think I think you can make the argument that it, it's always about power. I think it's it's it, well, it's power in the form of capital, and. Uh, like the only reason anybody cares to control anybody else is what they can get out of them in a capitalist system, and uh, I, I don't know. It's yeah. It's it's this this is it's a whole it's a whole thing, and we don't have enough time to go. <laughs> we do. We <laughs> need three more minutes. <laughs> oh, very right. awesome. Well, so what what uh, Mark said in Das Kapital. No. Um, what did uh, you, the postmodern neo Marxist? Is that the term you used earlier? Yeah, um, yeah. If if Jordan B. Peterson were here, Kermit yes. the Frog himself, he would he would have some words to say <laughs> about my 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 uh, agenda and my gender. Mm-hmm. Um, I had cultural awareness before this class, and today it was like a pop quiz or something, I don't know. He made us write about what we think about culture, and then he made us write what have we learned about ourselves, like in the class. And so much of what you said today was what I wrote in that paper. It was so eerie. <laughs> yeah, and I, but I didn't even know that. It was just like, oh, okay, let me get to writing. And then it was like, basically, if we, you know, um, yeah. it was, yeah. And, and I didn't speak on trans, but just the general. Mm-hmm. Given the 90 seconds left and then the 15 minute break before the next class, one of the, and you're probably aware of this, but I don't know if everybody else is because it's kind of fallen inactive. Um, There was a couple of years ago this movement, the the hashtag I'll go with you movement, Mm -hmm. um, which was specifically related to bathrooms, and especially in highly gendered bathroom places. Mm -hmm. Um, So Lena Tenney, uh, former activist, uh, former OU student and graduate and activist who has moved on to the University of Ohio, I think. Mm. Um, and I sort of facilitated for a while this the uh, I'll go with you movement as a presence. But um, would you appreciate a volunteer to go with you if you need to take a bathroom break in this, <laughs> in this last period into the, into, to the restroom? Because it's a real thing, right? That, that, that yeah. anxiety that you were talking about. Um, and with the HRT, like, obviously I can't because it wouldn't be... I need to go to the bathroom anyways. Deeply problematic. <laughs> yeah. I always but, need to go to the bathroom. And that, like, <laughs> just as a sort of general thing, like yeah. as an awareness, one of the things I'm always asking myself is like, okay, what can I build into my basic daily life that could be just like a, you know, so, trans man, uh, yeah. you know, want to head to the bathroom? And like when people have actually taken me up on it, it's been, 
a re like the response is ridiculously appreciative for let's walk into the yeah. bathroom together. <laughs> like it's not a it's not a big thing. Anyway, if that's in the area, you can work yeah. that out. If anybody no, here I, would, yeah. would like to do that, but that like m maybe in the last few seconds, like are there any? Well, it's two forty-five. Uh, make friends with trans people. Believe, <laughs> yeah. believe them when they tell you things. Thank you for coming and talking to us. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, thank you. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Trans Questioning Podcast, with nice people offering to take me to the bathroom and me telling you to make friends with trans people. If you have questions, thoughts, comments, etc. that you want to hear in a future episode or have me address in a future episode, send me an email at transquestioningpodcast at gmail.com or send an anonymous message over at curiouscat.me slash transquestioning. For podcast-specific updates, you can follow us on Twitter at transqpodcast, and my personal Twitter is at HMS No Fun. Trans Questioning is a proud production of the Lunar Light Studio Network, and if you want to support independent media and a bunch of other podcasts like Badvertising and Cryptid Keeper, Deck of Friendship, Netflix and Kill, and a whole bunch of other shows, go over to patreon.com slash lunarlighthq. There's all sorts of exclusive material that's just for patrons, including dark podcasts that are too weird and different to, for general consumption. If you want me to read a per personalized message or advertise your business, you can look into purchasing an incoming transmission from the website lunarlightstudio.com and click on the tab that says incoming transmissions. It's a great way to announce your love or advertise your podcast or any number of other fun things that you can do for the exchange of wealth to a podcast that you like. Okay, I think that that is everything. Thank you as always for listening to the Trans Questioning Podcast. I will see you again next week when a more pop podcast happens. Hooray! Lunar Light Studio. Pretty, witty, and gay.